So hello, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Um, so I have everyone introduce themselves. What would you like to say about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Francisca Troutman. I am one of the co-founders and co-directors of Glass Half Full, an organization working to bring glass recycling to New Orleans and beyond. Awesome. Awesome. Civics, y'all. A political conversation for all of us. So one of the first questions that I ask everyone is, what do you remember about learning civics in school? Like, how old were you? Was there anything that stood out to you in your memory or stands out to you in your memory? That's a good question. Um, I remember not learning it early enough. I definitely remember that aspect. I think when I really started to dive deep into the topic was freshman year of high school, mm-hmm. which personally I think is a little too late. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, learning everything about how the government works, and it almost seemed overwhelming to me. And maybe that goes into learning it a bit too late. You know, I'm, I'm not going to totally blame Louisiana public schools, but you know, wasn't the best choice <laughs> on their part. Um, but yeah, I remember it being, you know, a little overwhelming and, and almost felt very far away. Like they of course would start with the president, you know, and that's the highest power in our government. But instead of starting with, you know, our city council. I I barely even knew that there was a city council or what they did or, you know, not starting with the local government Mm -hmm. um, and instead starting higher up, which felt very distant from us. And so it almost felt like, you know, we as even high school students didn't have much of a say in what went on up there, you know, way at the president's office and and things like that. Um, So that's... Yeah, I don't think anyone's made that that direct um that direct connection but that's a really fascinating connection between maybe we should be maybe we should start with learning local politics because um I remember enjoying civics and really liking it but then kind of getting busy in my 20s and my 30s and I'm just like re-educating myself about civics and civic engagement now um and learning about local politics is very very difficult difficult even though it's like right there in your neighborhood exactly and and yeah, I wish I had gotten more involved early on, even before I could vote, you know, because I still had a say. I almost feel like city people like city council and local officials listen to younger people a bit more, um, especially mm-hmm. nowadays. I mean, I think we're getting better at it and um, learning more and teaching younger kids more. But yeah, that was my experience. Well, that's, I mean, that's a really good point, too, that, like, you don't have to be 18 to engage in local politics. Um, exactly. I, I mean, you have to be 18 to vote, but you don't have to be 18 to, like, write to, like, your city council and be like, I don't like what you're doing, and I don't like the world that may be created because of what you're doing. Exactly, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting insight. Well, my second question um, that I ask everybody is, is what do you remember about your first election? <laughs> Well, um, my first election was 2016 oh, presidential gosh. election. So I remember so a lot from that election. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm only 22 right now. So that was like the first um, 
big election I took part in. I may have done one more absentee um, local election in Lafayette before then. That's where I'm originally from. Um, and then I went to school in New Orleans. So yeah, 2016 was my first election. Um, I was a sophomore or a freshman in college and voted absentee for Lafayette. Um, you know, and, and, and that's another thing about civic engagement, especially in Louisiana and being a Democrat is that a lot of people will tell you, Oh, you're in a red state. Your vote doesn't matter. Um, and that hurts for sure. <laughs> um, and so I, I felt the same way in that presidential election. I was like, well, I'm going to cast my vote, but probably doesn't matter. Um, but hopefully Hillary wins. And then I remember watching, at, I don't know, are you from New Orleans as well? Um, sort of. I, I've been in Louisiana half my over half my life at this point, but I grew up um, until I was 16. I grew up in Georgia and then moved and went to LSU and Baton Rouge and uh, finished high school on the North Shore on, in Mandeville. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So there's this um, bar on Tulane's campus called The Boot. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, not not a bar you would uh, go to be, you know, civically engaged. But <laughs> that's where I watched the election unfold. And I just remember seeing Pennsylvania um, go red on the big projector. And, you know, we were on a college campus, so we thought we were in good company. And then we heard some people cheering. Oh. And so I went home <laughs> to my freshman dorm and uh, went to bed and I woke up and Trump had won. So that was my first election. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, my first election was 2000. And I don't know if, what you know about um, about that election, but it was like um, a hotly debated election, um, the results were at least, because like Florida was having issues with their ballots and a couple other states were too. Oh and so, God. yeah, and that we they were wondering if they were going to have to wait for the Supreme Court to weigh in about whether or not there needed to be like a recount. And like, so for like two weeks or more, like, like we were all just like holding our breath because we didn't know if Al Gore or um, or George W. Bush were going to be the president. And um, and I, I mean, I still to this day think that probably that was a stolen election. Um, so yeah. in a way, I think it was a very it was a very similar election to 2016, where it's like you just have this feeling of like we just watch a person or a group of people cheat. <laughs> Yeah. In, a way, in a way that's going to hurt all of us. And there there doesn't seem to be anything that we or anyone else can do about it. Yeah, that's, yeah, I can't imagine being in that one either. I mean, uh, well, you hopefully. can, I mean, being 18 and being excited and hopeful about the world and then sort of having like the results the next day that you had, you know, and you can imagine what I felt like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've lived it too. Um, one of my podcasting partners, Noel, has this question that I like to to follow up with. What does being a good citizen mean to you? That's a great question. Um, I think being a good citizen means actively engaging in your community, um, not just pointing out what's wrong um, in your community or what you don't like, but actively trying to improve those things. And I think that's at the root of what 
glass half full is trying to do is, you know, instead of looking at these problems with recycling in New Orleans and, and all of the South, we're trying to act, actually, you know, engage the community and encourage them to participate in making it better. You know, it, it, we can't wait, you know, like if this goes back to kind of how I learned civics, we can't keep looking at it as just the, the top tier, you know, the president, the Senate, and only, only they can make decisions. You know, it has to kind of start from, from us, from all of the people, because that's really where, where we get the most done, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, if I may, that's a good segue to talking about Glass Half Full, but I'd love to tell you about how I found out about y'all. Oh, that'd be um, awesome. And, and sort of my reaction when I, when I found out about y'all. Um, so it was the, you guys did a Twitter video, like a very short video. Um, I think it was like hand sifting through and, and I was like, hell yes. Oh my God. Thank God someone finally did this because like I, like a lot of other people had been complaining for years about the fact that we were such a backward city that we didn't have glass recycling when it's like legitimately like the easiest thing to recycle. Yeah. Um, and I never made the connection. I mean, I used to think this is, you know, there was a while ago, we like after, after Katrina, people were like, well, maybe people can like donate their hair to like, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> so, no, like, what? To like donate their hair to like, um, for, for hair to soak up the oil after the BP oil spill. Um, what? in the, <laughs> And I have like really long hair and I was like, maybe that's, maybe that's what I can do, you know, to like, <laughs> like, so I was just like, I have all this hair. I could donate hair, you know, like just so desperate to like make some sort of participate in the change. And then, um, and then more recently you guys, um, cause I'm on your newsletter. I've been on, on it since I saw that, that video on Twitter and I've d- dropped off glass a couple of times and I just felt so like, like the geekiest little kid. I just grin from ear to ear whenever I drop off the <laughs> class. Um, but yeah, well, you guys had like, we had hurricanes coming at us and you guys had to bring your own sandbags, but we have some and we'll fill up your sandbags, um, which is just amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, we love to, we love to keep everyone engaged in the work that we're doing because it benefits everyone. You know, we didn't want we don't because the recycling that happens right now where you just put it in a bin and then someone picks it up and you're like okay well I recycled even though you never see what comes of it is not it's not rewarding you know and so when when you come to drop off and you see your glass being taken by a volunteer and then you can we can show you like the sand that comes of it you can see the machine that it goes through you know, it's so much more rewarding to see what's actually happening to your recycling. And, and I don't know, I just love that, that part of what we're doing. That's no, that's a really fantastic point. Because I mean, I, I was thinking of it from the negative point of view, where a lot of us are like, not fully convinced that the recycling actually gets recycled, that it doesn't just get added to the to the landfill. And yeah. I feel the same way with, um, I don't know if you know about compost now, but um, I've been dropping off compost with them since they started and it's it's literally it's literally the same way where they have like a bin and they have like a collection time and you can come and you can drop off frozen compost and you can get to see this like mosaic that's created out of all of this like banana peels and like you know red cabbage leaves and like this like all these colors you know and you Mm -hmm. and it kind of reminds you like oh yeah like 
our food is very colorful and in its own way, it's very pretty, even like the the parts that we're not eating, you know, and it feels very rewarding knowing that like that food that would go to the landfill is, is going to feed animals first, it's going to become compost. It's got, it's got a cycle that it's going to return to. And I think that that's a really good point that you just made that you get to have that same sense of satisfaction. Exactly. You get to be a part of, of that process, you know, instead of just contributing to the waste, you're then bringing it to where it will experience a new life almost. So, so tell me, it sounds like you guys all met at school and had this idea. Yeah. So the other founder and I, Max, um, yeah, we met at Tulane um, and he has the most hilarious story of his election night, but I'll let him tell you on some other occasion. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we met at Tulane and, you know, we had been going there for almost four years and we were drinking a beer and thinking, well, shit, where is this going to (laughs) go? You know, when, once we're done with it, it's just going to go to a landfill. Like, is that really the best use of this glass bottle? You know, especially in New Orleans and a drinking capital of America, we thought we had been thinking someone should do something about this. Someone needs to do something about this. And then it had gotten to the point where we were like, okay, well, I guess we have to do something about this. And so we kind of just threw the idea out there into the abyss that is uh, the internet and, and started to go fund me. And we were like, let's, let's make glass recycling happen. How about that? And the response was incredibly overwhelming. You know, everyone's like, yes, it's time. Like we've been waiting for this for so long. And so we realized that we were going to be the ones to do it. And I think we raised like $17,000 in that first GoFundMe and we got a little machine. It's like a hand-fed machine. We got the trailer in order to pick up the glass. And we just started recycling in our, our friend's backyard. <laughs> um, and the rest is history, really. That's incredible. Um, so what did you guys study at, at, um, at school? Like, did you, did you study business? Like, or, did you, or have you had to just learn, like, learn all this on the fly? Yeah, so I actually studied chemical engineering. Which oh, is, good. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, it's not really related, but I, I learned problem-solving skills. And then Max studied um, international relations and development, but he had started a business um, before he got to college, actually, in high school, which is a very successful clothing company. And so he had kind of had that that business background that we needed. And I had, I guess, the science and engineering background. And and so we've made it work from there. That's incredible. That's incredible. Why don't you tell us about y'all's GoFundMe that you're doing now? Like I said before, we had started this with a little GoFundMe fundraiser um, just to get the ball rolling. Um, and since then, that was about seven months ago. Since then, we've moved into two different warehouses. We've collected um, roughly 30,000 pounds of glass per week which is about 60,000 beer bottles. And we still only have these two little hand-fed glass pulverizing machines. So every single bottle that we get every week is, you know, has to be picked up by someone's hand and put into that machine by someone's hand, you know, one by one. Um, and so this, this fundraiser that we're doing right now is really 
to automate our process and, and really take us to that next level because we've made it this far. We've made it seven months and we're only growing. Um, and we've made it just with that initial $17,000 and, and every other, you know, recycling plant is going to tell you that you need at least $3 million. And we made it work with 17. And we're, so we really just want to be able to take it to that next step and, and also be able to be funded by the community that we're helping. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. Tulane is giving us thousands of dollars or anything. It's, and we're not getting money from the city. We're not getting money from the state. It's really truly funded by the people because that's who we're serving. And that's who has wanted to see this happen for so long. And so that's kind of the reason we tro- chose the GoFundMe route again is just like getting more people engaged in recycling in their community and, you know, kind of having everyone get skin in the game, as they say. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I was going to say, like, I saw that, like, Snake and Jake's um, had donated yes. when I looked at the GoFundMe. <laughs> Have you guys um, made any other, like, sort of partnerships with any other businesses or reached out to them? Like, for instance, um, the one on the bayou right by me, um, the Po' Boy spot. They had, um, they flooded really badly in Katrina. They invested in this porous parking lot material so that the water, uh, because they're right by the bayou, but when it rains, the water can like get into the water table. Um, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, I think the city of New Orleans actually just made that like a rule for new construction is that they have to use this porous asphalt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in order to let uh, water run through it. Well, Parkway, Parkway Bakery. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. Um, we actually just talked to them like two days ago, I think. That's so funny. Well, they just seem natural, like a natural fit for me, uh, to me because they have, you know, they, they have glass collection that they do in their, um, the restaurant and outside. That's why I was immediately like, I hope you're talking, you're talking to them because I can see them being very invested in like local recycling. Cause I think they were shipping theirs out or something. Yeah. They were paying for Phoenix to transport it somewhere. I don't, I don't know where, but Phoenix, uh, doesn't do that anymore. So yeah, we're, we're some people's only option. And, and there are so many people out there like you who are like, I can't throw this away, so I'm just going to hide this in my shed until I find a place. <laughs> and and then they eventually find us, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy. Like, this stuff has been waiting so long to find a home. <laughs> yeah, when the quarantine started, my kitchen um, at home, I had started using, like, those paper bags from, like, the grocery store, like, just to, like, put – you know, like spaghetti jars and stuff like that. And I was reusing them in the kitchen as much as possible. Um, but then eventually you just get too much. Okay. I started drinking boxed wine so that I basically wouldn't have to deal with that. That is exactly me and my household. We just only buy boxed wine as well. That's so funny. So when I, when I found you guys, the first time I dropped off, I, it was like post quarantine and it was basically like my sanity felt like, I felt like I could reclaim my sanity because my kitchen was filled with. Yeah. (laughs) And also that like people didn't think you were insane because finally it went somewhere. Like there was, it wasn't hoarding, you know, you just. Yeah, exactly. I promise I'm not a hoarder. I'm just really, really stubborn. And, um, you know, and somebody needs to take care of this class. And I love that you guys were like, well, I guess that's just going to be us rather than the stubbornness just taking over your Exactly. Kitchen. Yeah. We we're like, okay, well, here we go. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, um, well, thank you. On, I mean, on behalf of like the city, thank you. And I think um, it's really exciting to see what you guys are doing and uh, how the community can be involved. Like, okay, so let's actually, let me ask you that real quick. So let's say folks are not sure about finances right now. Like, do you, could you guys still use volunteers? Like what are ways that people in the community can like help? This yeah, matter? of course. Um, so if someone can't donate right now, definitely share the fundraiser because that helps a ton, just blasting it out to your own network. Um, and then, yeah, volunteering with us. We always need new volunteers. It's just um, a tab on our website, glasshalffullnola.org slash volunteer. And you don't have to do it on like a weekly or monthly basis. It's just whenever you're free, you go and you sign up. Um, it's really easy and you can greet all of the people coming to recycle on our drop-off days. You know, there's so many different ways to get involved with us. Um, and yeah, if they've follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, things like that. Um, anything helps. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to trying to get this out there as quickly as possible so we can tell everyone about you. Uh -huh. Thank you so much. I appreciate you um, choosing to interview us. It, it means a lot to us. <laughs>